What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Ebb and Flow podcast. It's your boy, the ex-NFLer turned yogi, Evan Britton. It's excellent to be with all of you on this magnificent day. Uh, so here we are. This is indeed the season two finale. I was able to, my dad was in town. I was able to wrangle him for a podcast. Uh, it was a lot of fun. He sat down with Gus and I. We rapped about life and art, everything by work, talked about movies. We laughed. Uh, it was really interesting and fun to hear dad's perspective and see how that has influenced the way I view the world and the way I look at things. It was a lot of fun um, and much more to come with dad for sure. Uh, he's got a lot of good things going on. I'm proud of him. And um, so I think you guys will enjoy this. Uh, a few notes as we cap off this season and turn the page into season three. So, this season was a lot of fun. I, as always, I greatly appreciate all of you. I got Patreon going in the midst of this. Uh, I've been experimenting with that. It seems as though, you guys let me know, but it seems as though Patreon is an excellent platform to connect with you on a personal level. And I am really leaning into that. So, on Patreon... If you're not already a subscriber, you can head over there. I post a lot of cool, expanded content, yoga flows, breathwork routines, um, all the inspirational, motivational movement, mindset, meditation content that you love. I post expanded versions of that on there, guided meditations, etc., each month, the last Sunday of the month, we do a group live Zoom yoga and breathwork meditation session, which is a lot of fun. Love having all of you who can make it. It's a great way to connect. Um, for now, it's on Zoom. One day soon, we'll do that in person. We will gather together face-to-face -to -face in the flesh. That is my dream, and it will become a reality. Um, not only that, I do one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions on Patreon, through Patreon. These are one-hour sessions. Um, whatever you are in need of, I am here to be of service. This is life coaching. This is movement and nutrition coaching. This is mindset coaching. It's motivation. It's inspiration. Whatever it is that you need, if you feel called to connect with me on that level, that is available to you through Patreon. Something I dabbled in with the Patreon subscriptions that I'm going to lean heavily into come season three is a Patreon patron-only, subscriber-only episode. So 
this season, I wanted to increase the volume of content. So I started putting out two episodes a week that were free and available to all of you on all platforms. This season, we're going to switch it to one episode is coming out on all platforms. There will be a bonus episode each week that only Patreon subscribers get. I experimented with that early on on Patreon and moved away from it because I wanted to focus on some other things. But I've decided that in season three, we're going to move back into that model. So if you really love the content, if you love what I'm all about, what this message is, and you want more, head over to Patreon. It's five bucks a month to get access to that extra episode, that bonus content. So I encourage you and I appreciate you and I'm grateful for your patronage, whether you subscribe or not, but I just want to let you know what's available there. Finally, a little bit of a reminder, higherpowerworkshop.com. This is all, this is the hub of merchandise that I'm putting out. A lot of good stuff, revolutionary shit. With everything I do, I'm hoping my intention is to expand minds and hearts. And that's what Higher Power Workshop is really dedicated to. Clothing, t-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, hats, yoga mats. More to come soon. But all of that is available there. Higherpowerworkshop.com all of this will be available in the show notes. Um, that's about it, everybody. Thank you guys so much for all of your support. Um, I wish you nothing but the best. Stay strong out there. I pray that you find a way to stand in your truth, in your highest greatness, for the greatest good of the universe on this day. And for all eternity. So it is. Much love, y'all. Peace. You have unlocked the eternal link to internal source. The key of imagination. Your admission. Access to the enlightened dimension. A gateway at the junction of darkness and light. The place at which the chaos of our conditioned frame of mind give way to a life in constant flux, only to be mastered through vigilant discipline. Peaceful times may come, testing times may go. This is the ebb and flow. What's up, everybody? It's good to be with all of you. Hey, we've been talking about doing this episode for a little while. The pieces have finally come together perfectly to bring you this special conversation. The season two finale with my brother Gus and our father, Jeff Britton. Guys, welcome to the pod. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hello. It's good to be here. <laughs> it's good to be here. We finally got it together. It's Jeff, good. Jeff is in town from Tucson. 
That's right. He's we've had, Dad, we've had a few people request this conversation. Really? Yeah. Right. Well, I'm a glad to of, be here. It's well, exciting. Yeah. A lot of the, the podcast listeners who are also Instagram community people, they follow you, they love your work. Gus and I have spoken about you very highly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's fun to get you on here, man. Well, thanks. I'm glad to be here. I mean, I love Los Angeles. So it's just an amazing place. So talk what about... Do you, uh, what, do you, uh, what do you love about Los Angeles? Just the get energy the and the light, you know, and just the topography is just mind-blowing blo- uh, mind for someone like me. Who's just into images and pictures and spaces and compositions and colors. So there's a million things going on here. You know, it's as a painter, you could just paint forever. I mean, there's no need to be abstract. It's so abstract already. Right. So anyway, but it's nice to be with you guys. I, this is a very famous podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, your, but your work is funny to me because you'll paint a strip club. <laughs> And then you'll go and paint a fucking, you know, an oceanscape. That's you know, you've weird. always had interesting subject matter. The dichotomy. Get into uh, the mic, Dad. Yeah, I you think, can't you know, you just close. stay, you know, it's just try to keep it fresh. Like every day, you try to do something different. Try to keep everything fresh. What is your And art? the energy comes from, you know, inside. I don't think there's any mysteries. I mean, people just have to get up and go. You have to do it, like Yoda says. There's no try. Do. So would you say your art is heavily influenced by a need to keep the energy fresh? Oh yeah. I, I mean I'm I'm like a shark. I guess gotta keep moving and looking and like painting. I mean I've done thousands of paintings in my thirty four <clears throat> years of painting. Thankfully I've been able to do it by hook and by crook. So but That's, yeah, I mean, I think that I think I was just—you just have to be yourself, you know. If you want to be anybody, you be yourself, you know. It's just what do you do? What do you? What are your interests? What did you? How did you grow up? What was around you as a kid? How were you impressed or turned off? Or you know, there's all these things play into it, you know. So anyway, and then I was lucky enough to meet your mom. Had two kids, two amazing uh, young men, and just you know, but. You know, it's, uh, I'm very lucky like that. So, but paintings just, I could talk for years about it. It's it's so complex and deep and it's not just what's on the surface. It's more about a lot of other things, you know. What other things? Well, you know, mark making. Mark making is about, uh. Interesting mark making. everyone has a signature. Everyone has different fingerprints. Everyone has a mark that they can make. And so you make it through writing or film or painting there, or Jeff. sculpture so you closer to the mic so you uh, this is good shit you're saying so here. you you kind of uh you uh you gotta get, you oh you gotta get a, i'm just not used to this this is really oh, no, funny. you gotta just be sure in sure it. you almost like you're uh, you feel like a rock singer like yeah exactly eddie money or something <laughs> like you're <laughs> exactly but you know exactly. i mean i think it's uh I mean, living is very hard and complex, so why make it hard on yourself? Find something that you love to do, and it becomes so easy, and things break down because you're taking care of yourself first. I don't know what it is, but you're not being a prick about it. You still have time for other things and other people, and you have to be able to 
you know, be in the world. I mean, being an artist is also a painter, like you know, growing up. I was like in the woods when you were with Rob, you know, playing football in the backyard <laughs> in Connecticut. Yeah. Because I, I just say, can I get two hours here? I think I can come up with something or there's something I think I can. So you piece all those things together. I mean, nothing happens overnight. It's a, you know, it's a huge process. It's, uh, but, you know, so you just be authentic. Authenticism is authenticity, I guess is the better way. But so anyway, mm. but we came from, you know, we were in Brooklyn. We, we were there for years, you know. I was just thinking about the 11th Street Playground across the street, which is now a huge bandshell and music venue in Prospect Park. The whole place has exploded. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's, it's crazy. Insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, but... Uh, well, I feel like something Well, that- everything he said, it's so interesting because he's, so, he's been so influential in our lives and how we view the yeah, world. Yeah, you know? that's what I was just about to say, a little bit about something like that. Go for it. I just feel like one of the main things that I've learned from, like, particularly having artists in our family, you know, because I'm, I'm, I, I'm fascinated by people that become artists with no artists in their family. Mm. Like I'm, I'm always like, wow, how did you, how did you do that? But then also, you know, I feel like our side where, you know, we had our grandmother who's a very successful artist, grandfather, very successful artist, you know, and I imagine dad on your side, they were kind of artistic in, in different ways. Like, uh, like Charles Oliphant, great, great, great grandfather, who was a blacksmith. You know, that was like a kind of more blue collar artist. Mm-hmm. But, and then our mother, and then our aunt, of course. And or dad's pop up, who was a farmer. Right, farming. I mean, art. Another artistry. I feel like that's a very, you know, art is like a spiritual endeavor, of course. But, but what I mean is that from dad, it was always. The first thing that comes to my mind is like that Bukowski quote where if you if you're trying to do it it's just not going to work. So the the thing just comes from you you know of its own accord. Innately. You don't you don't have anything else that you that you would rather do. Right. You know, and I don't know why I bring this up other than maybe like because you see so many people that I don't know, do they want to be artists but don't have the the role models or the artistic role models to see that it's bigger than money or something because you've been doing this for you 40 know, years for so long years. that it's not even you know for creativity get in there be, there's so many motivations to try to be <laughs> creative to do your work i mean i don't know i mean well do you think some guys it's just uh you know it's all relative really wouldn't you say do you think there are people who are who are not being artists who are dying to be artists like do you think think people are shut down in fear but but then if they're not well then they're not artists then right That's what I was told once by an insider in L.A. So, 
<laughs> of course, it's all about sex and money and drugs. Isn't that isn't that what it's always about? At the at bottom, at point, the most yeah. base level. <laughs> well, uh, well, there's some parts of that that work out. <laughs> but you know, I mean, um, I don't know, man. You just want to be good. I mean, if you're good, everything else is just Wait, superfluous. You're good. You said something interesting. People want to said, buy your stuff or whatever they like. You said if you're not creating your art but you have you're dying on the inside to create it then you're not really an artist no no just pick up a board put some paint on it so part of the artistry is breaking through that fear veil and going fuck it i'm just gonna create this thing a good artist can make art with toilet paper and nails in the bathroom they don't need anything it's been done yeah. Lucas Samaras is an artist, it's a, an American artist who's a painter, photographer, sculptor, did all kinds of things and grew, you know, started out in the East Village doing just really weird, you know, like psychosexual type stuff with nails and toilet paper. And you're just like, well, that's really good, you know. I don't know. It's just, yeah. there, it comes from a place that's not. It's untapped or something. It's not. It's 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 like you. It's your it's your you're absolutely yourself. You don't give a fuck what anybody else says or what anybody else thinks. Yeah. Like Andy Warhol said, I don't care if you like my paintings. I'm just going to do more. Mm. I'm going to do more and get it done. The other thing is get it done. Get it done. Mm. You know, clean up your own house, cook your own meals. You know, exercise mm. every day. Do all little stuff. You don't have to go crazy. Do a little breathing while you're on walks, you know. I mean, people go crazy and overboard. It's very simple. But again, you mm. have to find that thing that you love. When you hook into that, your whole life just kind of connects. It's like, it's crazy. But oh, I was yeah. lucky. I found that, you know, when I was in New Jersey as a kid. Yeah. So anyway. Here he comes. <laughs> what artists or uh, painters have inspired you? You watch more films than anybody I what's, know. So. What's been... Oh, there's so what's many. What's your painters first? Your, your, painters most, first, top your top five. Your top you five know, most Van, Van influential. Gogh, Van yeah. Gogh, Monet. Get in. Franz Halls, Manet. The French, of course, German Expressionism. Who the are German, some Express- German Expressionists? Oh, like Max Beckman or Lovis Corinth. Uh, those two come to mind. They're kind of expressionistic realists. Emil Nolde. There's so I mean, there's just some, there's the Brits, you know, Lucian Freud, of course, it's great. You know, I just like painting. I just, I'm really dull. I really stick to one thing. I'm just about painting and going to see it and yeah, perfecting my own craft every day. Every day I'm in there thinking and doing. And just because you're not doing it sometimes physically, you're doing it in your head. So that's also work. Absolutely. You know, what's interesting is, I mean, you, we grew up, Gus, dad would just take us to museums. Like how many kids on the planet? That's a very small number of kids on the planet that their parents take them to museums. They used to go wild in the the Met. That was great. We had a good time. 
But, you know, it does something even at that age where you don't even, you can't even really comprehend what you're looking at. You're looking at pictures or you're looking at sculptures. And even though you can't comprehend it, that's planting a seed of of the infinite vastness of consciousness and what you can create. Yeah. High culture. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, so this is. Like you could do this. This is how care and love, you know, can manifest itself through the, you know, display of exhibitions of art and that, you know, it's all about feelings. It's all about emotions. You know, it can't be, it just has to be, that core thing, I think it's about emotions, feelings. Mm. You know. Probably sounds corny to a lot of people. You would describe yourself as an impressionist? No. No, I'm an American painter. I'm an American painter. That's cool. I, I would say that. I'm a, I, call, I just like to define myself as a painterly realist. I think I would say that, but I'm an American painter. I'm American. I'm proud to be one. <laughs> you said something. You, we were talking last night. I think this this could be interesting, Eb, to bring up. You, um, who was it? Did you say De Kooning just wrote a piece that said ab- abstract abstract art is dead? Oh, David Hock. David Hockney just wrote a piece that said abstract art is dead. And I find that, or well, isn't that the same? Okay. Okay. So abstract art has run its course, and I really feel like that—that really makes sense to me because we've been saturated with bullshit, and you know, bullshit can be subjective. So maybe some of it's great, some of it's not. But you know, because I look at your paintings, Dad, and. Um, painterly realist to me really makes sense because you'll paint a guy, you'll do a portrait, but the, but it's not, I don't know. You weave some grotesqueness into it where it, it where it does become this kind of, Surreal. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever painterly would be. And I got, I, I would have this concern about your work in the world that it's not abstract. But then I'm seeing all these people, and I love your work. It's just like, I don't know what the fuck people can even digest. So we've gotten to this kind of abstract cop-out, particularly in, in fine art. This is, this is just my opinion. But I feel like people really love your work because it's real. Because it's not some abstract, you know, condoms hanging off a ladder. Which I've actually seen in a gallery before, if you can believe it or not. I believe that. You know what I mean? So people are starting to appreciate. So that makes sense to me that it's run its course. Um, well, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know really. It, it's just about, you know, um, it's not what you paint. It's how you paint it. Mm. So it's about the skill and talent behind it. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of probably very good abstract painters that have really interesting mark making ability. There's a lot of garbage. Uh, you know, I mean, I was, I was exposed to something else as a young age, which was, you know, American illustration and comic books 
and Technicolor films. So, and cartoons, of course. No, no, that pop art is way over by that point. Oh, that yeah, pop art's the sixties. I mean, Warhol's pop art, you know, like yeah, Wayne Tebow. Wait, when was um, Basquiat coming in? Eighties? He's later. He's like, you know, he really Late. came on, and he was a he was a, basically a graffiti artist who a, a, a very intelligent man said, "You should put these on a canvas, not on a wall," and he started doing it, and people loved it. And he's also a very intelligent guy. Best guy's not stupid. He's a very intelligent person. 80s? He's not he's not an idiot. So he knows culture, he knows history, he knows jazz music, he knows all the influence. He was a very hip dude. But sensitive, of course. And of course, the most sensitive people are always destroyed. Always. Because they're died? sensitive. Oh yeah. Overdose? Twenty eight years old, yeah. Just blew O D'd? Uh, something like yeah, just he didn't take care of himself. Yeah, he developed a horrible skin rash. Interesting. Yeah, so he became very sick, and uh, but had a brilliant, I don't know, seven eight year run. Phew. His paintings are millions of dollars now. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, he's he's cool. he's an interesting guy. They've made several documentaries about him, which I would highly recommend. I think he's great, and the Schnabel feature film is is excellent. It's good, Basquiat. It's a good film. Uh, um, Benicio del Toro is brilliant in that. Idea. Yeah, is that his amazing. name? Yeah, he's so good in that. Yeah. Oh no, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, him. Benicio. They're Jeffrey shooting baskets Wright. in the East Village. Yeah, it's exactly, hilarious. it's exactly like that. <laughs> oh, it's perfect. Um, anyway, go ahead. What about that dude years ago? This was like back when we were kids. He was, he was shitting in cans and and selling that as art pieces. Well, that's the Arte Povera. <laughs> movement that's a gentleman by the name of piero manzoni and these that's italian there's like there's several groups of italian artists arte porvera pissing christ well that's another guy that's uh the photographer arte porvera arte porvera povera interesting movement really weird what is it poor (laughs) art is what it means in italian poor art so people with no money who are very creative would make Art out of cinder blocks and celery or spinach or cabbage or very weird. Great. I saw a great show in L.A. actually at the uh, oh, like Geffen, poverty. Geffen Temporary Contemporary it was excellent. What's that? Like poverty. Poverty art. Arte yeah, poor po- art. Po- exactly. yeah. Coined actually by a guy I know by the name of uh, Germano <coughs> Salant who was a famous – European curator that I worked with actually at the Guggenheim when I was my day job was hanging paintings in museums. So also that ex, that kind of exposures is cool. You know, it's underground. Wait, did you see the thing? Uh, this was like a couple months ago. The dude sold the invisible sculpture for like. That's wonderful. How much? I think artists are doing that every day. <laughs> Good for him. Three hundred eighty-five grand or something. Is that what he sold it for? That's a good fucking paycheck. Jesus Christ. Of course, man. Well, you know, get that money and then you can make the next art piece, you know, and live for a while. That's fucking awesome. You know, I mean, that's what everybody, artists are, artists are looking for patrons, man. We're looking for people that are interested in putting a 12 by 20 inch painting on their wall. And, you know, paintings are, you know, wonderful in that way. They just, they just brighten up rooms and make it. I mean, forget it. For my sure. Ha- my house is covered with my paintings. So that's me too, brother. Yeah, exactly. 
All right, let's you go. Well, people may, well, people don't know that you worked at the Guggenheim for over 20 years. That's correct. (laughs) As an art handler. Well, it's interesting, Gus, isn't it? Uh, The, um, art like spirituality is another thing that, I don't know. It's like that thing. If you're, if you're worried about feeding your family or getting food on the table, you're not really concerned about God or art. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's interesting. And yet, out of the poverty stricken, out of the poor, always rise the greatest artists, the greatest spiritual leaders. Mm. Wouldn't you yeah, say? Yeah, I mean, you know what's Isn't been that interesting. Yeah, what's been interesting, uh, like what's coming to mind for me on that note is like recently doing this film. The greatest athletes. Yeah, athlete. Yeah. Even though I think we we do talk about how athletics is a spiritual endeavor or can be. Yeah, for sure. This feels a little bit different, but to a degree. <laughs> but um, you know what's what was interesting for me recently about, and I think it's in line with what you're saying with doing this film. This first part we just shot of my book, How to Kill a White Man. You know. We had no money. We yeah. had like four grand, four or five grand, you know, in the moment, calling people, trying to find this, the cell phones, asking, you know, trying to, you know, or getting on the cell phone, asking friends if they'll do this, jump in. And it was just this beautiful experience of necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah. You know that phrase, necessity? Yeah. And like, because we kept that. having these conversations like, what if we had a million dollars? Would this be a better movie? I don't know. Your dad. Yeah. You know, so just to the point of, watch out there. Hey, just to the point of, um, I don't know what you were saying about how anybody well, can do it. I've thinking that. And going back to the artist who feels like they're dying to be an artist but can't find a way to express their artwork or whatever it is. And exactly in line with what you're saying, I've been thinking about how in this day and age, you really just have to do it. If your heart is compelling you to do the thing, Because there's people doing things for nothing with their phone, maybe becoming YouTube. So these kids are like in their fucking barely 21 years old, becoming these like superstar characters with millions of YouTube followers. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily whatever that is, but it's the same thing. It's like this expression. It's like, why not? You don't need anything. 
All you need is the will to do it at the end of the day. Because you can find a way to get it done. You know, with this podcast, I mean, I have all sorts of fantasies about having like a fucking three camera set up and, you know, a super high production and all this stuff. But if I, if I was sitting around waiting for that to come, I'd never record another podcast. You guys are fucked. I mean, that's listen. fucking lit. Look, uh, yeah, that's all. I mean, what did it that's take all, for yeah, you, Dad, to start? You're a D1 basketball player. I know, I did play D1. Dude played D1 basketball, terrible. and then one day decided he wanted to be an artist. Fell apart. I discovered girls and cannabis, and it was over for me in Brooklyn. That was it. <laughs> I was done. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I mean, it's very simple. I mean, I don't know. People talk all day. It's just like, come on. I Look, know. If, I know. If, That's if kind you, of if the you it, If you want to do it, it's going to find its own level. It's going to see. You're going to find how to do it. You know, if just do it. What do you mean? Just waiting. I mean, what are you waiting for? Oh, I mean, Sam. Oh, I love Sam Peckinpah. Forget about it. Stay in tight on forget the mic, about, Dad. Yeah, forget about Your it. Your levels but, are low. Sorry. Yeah, All right, that's better. There um, it is. I think you'll get everything provided to you as you get through the process. It'll just come. But what does that require, Dad? Because you don't that just get that sitting it. on the... Yeah, doing exactly. It. That, that's it. Just do it. <laughs> you know, and just... Uh, so you've got to put one foot in front of the other. Yeah, of course. It's all basic stuff. But what was the first thing you did? Was it pencil and paper? Did you get some oil paints? The what crayons was and drawing and crayons. As a five-year-old kid. It's a five-year-old five drawing all the time. Yeah. I love to draw my you know, notebook covers for my book reports in school, third, fourth, fifth grade. It was always doing my own drawings of Abraham Lincoln or George Washington. I love you that. know, just you're a little kid. You're in the zone, man. You just and I was nurtured by my family. They didn't care if I did it or not. They supported me and gave me all the crayons and paper and coloring books I needed. So I was happy. It's beautiful. But, you know, you're lucky enough to find things like that. Then, of course, I found sports <clears throat> in high school, and I was, a, you know, a decent basketball player. So I, you know, and I loved, you know, Dr. J and Walt Frazier. My period is like, you know, the '70s. I mean, Dr. J was like my idol. He was just absolutely the, one of the coolest dudes around. Yeah. Then that turned me on, and I always watch films. So Basketball. Interestingly enough, I got... Movies? Yeah, and right after Shaft was made in 71, oh. I got to see it. Somehow on television cut, or local television showed it. I was like... So then I was like, oh, New York City's really cool. This is like when I was like a maybe eighth or ninth grade. Where were my you dad living? Started, Jersey? Yeah, 30 miles from Manhattan. Then my dad worked in Manhattan, of course. So he would take me in once in a while. But I don't know. Basketball was just amazing back then. It was just extraordinary. Pete Maravich, you know, of course, Kareem. I mean, <sighs> all the, like, just. A lot and of even ballers. Billy, Billy Cunningham, I remember when he played and. He was from Erasmus Hall in Brooklyn. I'm being, I'm going really off the deep end. But uh, no, but I, but I played in Brooklyn, so I played basketball there, right near actually the Staples Center. Oh, uh, really? The uh, Barclays. Barclays, yes, of course. 
So I think it's interesting. Um, I'm a huge basketball fan. and I, I mean, I love Brooklyn tremendously. Love it there. Lived there a very long time. How long did you live there? Uh, 76. Most until uh, 2020. And I would say uh, without with eight years here in L.A. when you guys were going through school. Yeah. And uh, Man, you were here for eight years. John Burroughs. Do you know they changed the nickname of the, the school from the, the Indians? Not the to, Indians uh, anymore. It's the Vikings, I think, or something. Or the Vikings? Something like that. Really? Something really weird. I was just like, God. The Indy or Burrow. the Red Wave or something? Nah, no. not that one. I mean, I like Vikings more than well, the, the Indians, Red Wave. Though, was, Burrow Indians I was know, great. It was cool. It was so cool. I don't know. Great high school. Great area here to in say. Burbank. It's really beautiful. I suppose if it's so, offensive to Native Americans, then we should, of course, respect be respectful. That. Of course, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I I always thought it was really a proud. Thing. But if anybody's listening to this, I would just say if you want to do something, just do it. You know, what do you say to a young artist, young seventeen-year-old? I wouldn't go to art school now. I would say no. I would say take that 250k and go to Europe and visit all the places when the you know whatever this COVID thing is over. Hopefully it'll or at least you can tr- negotiate it somehow. I'm, I'm sure, sure you can. can yeah, even I'm sure during you can COVID, figure it out and go to museums and look at all these places. Go primarily alone. That's a good point. You know, to be alone is uh, is almost a sacrosanct or something to the culture. It's like it's the, like a mission. Well, oh, I mean, oh, I, mean, mean I, in I don't know. I don't get that people like to be alone. You know, or by themselves. What do you, you don't understand that they do like that? I think so sometimes. I like I'm alone it. all the time <clears throat> because I'm a painter. But I maybe I'm wrong. I like, maybe I'm not. I like for, being alone. No, no, I guess. <laughs> oh, that's true too. <laughs> I guess I'm thinking of it more abstractly. <laughs> Guys on the phone. That's all right. It's fine. I, I can take it. That's all right. Don't go to art school. No, I don't. I would just go and travel and just meet. You know, go to museums and stuff. And, and just do art. your art. I mean, you can figure out everything on the internet now. I mean, you could Google composition. You'll have like a million things about how to figure out how to make a composition and learning about it. It's a whole new world with this thing, man. I think. You can Google anything and find out anything. And it's like, and it's, it's brilliant. And so, I mean, like art school, I mean, it's cool. You go, you get into Yale or Cal Arts. It's fun. It's wonderful. You know, you're going to go, you're going to meet girls, you know, you're going to hang out, <laughs> you know, you're going to make some art, I guess. It's a networking thing as well, but I go don't know. Is it more about networking or the work? I think it's I more know. about the work. My opinion. Yeah, you can network anytime. That's probably why I don't know anybody. I don't have no. I don't know many people because I just work. That's how it <laughs> <laughs> well, you have a tattoo that says "Everything by Work," That's right? Not. Who's that from? Ernest, Ernest Messonnier, uh, uh, mid eighteen hundred <laughs> history painter, who was at one time the most famous painter in the world and the richest, and uh, lived in Paris. No, that's what he had on his stagecoaches. He had a stagecoach that would row right into down the Seine somehow into Paris to get his whatever he needed to get. He's the guy who would have a horse-driven cart, and he would be in the back with his easel 
drawing, horses running as this cart is moving to see how movement is done. And then he met Edward Mybridge, the famous photographer from America, from the West Coast, of course, San Francisco. You know Edward Mybridge, the motion photographs. And then he was blown away. He's like, everything I've done is not right because Mybridge documented how a horse's legs moves. It's very interesting. You know, it's one of the naders of photography, the high points and a next level. And without Mybridge, there is no film comp. There is no film. Mybridge was the beginning of the motion picture. <laughs> Uh, what do you think Gus fun it's good it's good it's a good we thing can talk about, we can talk about all sorts of stuff we watched every movie under the sun dad's a massive film Lawrence of Arabia buff Lawrence of Arabia Apocalypse Now Godfather Platoon Predator Predator to live and die in L.A. To live and die in L.A. Top three favorite movies. Yeah, that's back when they had VHS. What's top three for you? We would go to the this video top store, top like, head. in the summer we would go for pizza and then go to the video store on um, 7th Avenue. And top three movies. I know top okay. three movies. Right oh, forget it, man. I don't even Christ. Know. Well, I just recently watched... Werner Herzog's Fitzcarraldo, where they carry the boat over the mountain. That was all done. There's a documentary. Klaus Kinski snaps in that. He's br he's brilliant in that. that. That movie is amazing. I would recommend that to anybody. Uh, top three, it's impossible. Humphrey Bogart movies, of course. John Huston movies, the director. I mean, John Ford. I mean, there's a thousand people. Uh, yeah, that Roman Polanski, of course. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see the body Turner? double? Did you see Mike Lee's Turner? No. About the painter James Miller. Oh, <gasps> fantastic! <clears throat> Mike Lee's a British, great British film. There's, I mean, there's a million guys. Neil Jordan, The Crying Game. <laughs> That's Vincent Minnelli, uh, the director of many musicals. What was the Gene movie Kelly. we just watched? That Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, Michael Cimino, who wrote uh, and directed that movie. But before that, he did, uh, or right after that, he did The Deer Hunter, Michael Cimino. That was before? With Bobby D. The Meryl Deer Hunter. Streep. Yeah, I, that was right after uh, Thunderbolt Thunder and Lightfoot. Which is a great, I mean, it's all filmed in North Dakota. It's yeah, it's gorgeous. crazy. Oh, it's, it's amazing. Oh, yeah. I think uh, there's a very well-known uh, guy on the camera on that. I'm not sure, but yeah. Yeah, Chimino and Clint, Clint Eastwood, George Kennedy is in that. Jeff, Jeff Bridges. Bridges is in the, Jeff Bridges was nominated for an Academy Award for that movie. Oh, really? Yes. And he didn't even want to do it. Interesting. How come? Well, I, I saw this thing on Instagram because I was researching it that he went, Jeff Bridges went to Michael Cimino's office. He's like, you know, Michael, I can't do this movie. I'm not this guy. I don't, I don't even know how to do this. And Cimino just taps him on the arm. Said, 
No, no, you're the guy. You're the guy. And he goes, I walked out. And he goes, yeah, I'm the guy. He's great in that movie. Have you seen it? Yeah, he's really good. Great movie. Cinematography is wonderful. It is. It's mind-blowing. Yeah. George Kennedy is like a, a, a gangster. Clint is too, but he's more of a nicer guy. I mean, I'm a, Clint yeah. Eastwood's just an enormous giant. Love all of his films. Oh, Clint? Yeah. Oh, Outlaw Josie Wales. Yeah. Pale Rider. There's, an, there's a movie he does with Richard High Plains Drifter. Eagles Dare. That's from like the 70s. Crazy. With Richard Burton, man. It's phenomenal. It's a World War II pick. Um, he was in that movie Tarantula. Clint. He Oh, yeah, the original. Yeah, the original sci-fi. He's a jet. He's one of the jet fighters yeah, at the end. Yeah, he is at the end. He's blowing. You don't he's, even uh, see dropping his whole napalm. face. No, he's got a mask on. He's <laughs> dropping napalm. And you see him for like three seconds. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. That's a very good film. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy, dude. Yeah. You know what I was thinking? What movie is super apt for right now is Invasion of the Body Snatchers. We're living through that right now. Have you seen now. the remake? Of the, have you seen the remake? With of Donald the, Sutherland? Yes. No. Is it yeah. terrible? How is that? It's fantastic. Really? It's made by a great filmmaker. It's made by the, the Philip Kaufman. He's did like the unbearable lightness of being. They made that he into did, a movie? Uh, he did uh, The Right Stuff with Sam Shepard. And that was like a mega. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a great film, too. Um, Philip Kaufman did the remake of Invasion. The original was done by Don Siegel. Oh, really? Who did Dirty Harry. Yeah, of course. He directed he, the original he one? He directed the original. Don was an amazing Don you know, Siegel's brilliant filmmaker. What's so interesting to me about that movie, I, I don't know why I've been thinking about it so much, probably because it feels like we're living in that. <laughs> but it starts, the way that movie goes, you just have no clue how it all started. It starts because they start, like you just, like you overhear a conversation about how one of the, like local townspeople came into the store and was acting weird or something or like wasn't himself. Right. And then it just sort of like, but a very slight yeah, feeling so of, subtle. It's just like, oh, like dad's not dad. anymore. yeah, it was, like, it's so subtle. It's like, that's I don't how know. it would be. I can't put my finger on it, but dad's just not dad. And then all of a sudden, who's the, the guy in that? In the original? Yeah. Uh, the main guy. Is it the guy from Double Indemnity? No, 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 no. no. Bert, uh, no, he's really good. John, no, not John Agar. Yeah, maybe it's John A. No, is it John Agar? He's got the long. He's got the. the he's really a doctor. Big chin. He's, he's got the doctor. good chin. That's it. What's his name? He's the doctor. Yeah. And then he reignites his 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 old flame. Is there? She's like this hot number. That I gotta watch there it again. The oh, it's fucking brilliant! And he gets back with he's he's like been away, and she comes back from London. She's gorgeous, and he's <laughs> like he's just gotten back from a job. And then the fucking or he was on the train. He got picked up by his assistant, and then a little kid runs across the street. 
and they go, it's brilliant filmmaking. And he, he stops the car. He goes over to the little kid and he's like, I don't want to go with these people. They're crazy. I don't like them. To his and, parents. To, yeah. And, and she's like, what's wrong? She's like, he's been saying that his mother and father aren't that his mother and father. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so amazingly suspenseful and brilliant. The original, yeah. they're both good. The, the, I haven't uh, seen the Donald Sutherland. The remake movie. is made in San Francisco. And Sutherland, of course, is the, one of the great actors of all time again, you know. So it was just, oh, I mean, it's just, it's so scary. Yeah. <laughs> We've seen them both. Uh, yeah. We've seen it, though, but we could watch it again. <laughs> I'm always up to watch that movie. It's it's awesome. It's insane. Yeah, it's so many interesting. Yeah, and they're interesting moments. That you come sometimes experience in the everyday. You're just like, wow, that's really weird. <laughs> At least I do. <laughs> well, Dad, you just did a huge. You did a big commission for Flamingo Estates. Gus, explain Flamingo Estates. Um, Flamingo Estate is this place that um, this guy Richard Christensen uh, created. He's an advertising um, executive, and he had a he has he has an advertising agency called Chandelier Creative, which is mainly based in New York. But I think when COVID happened, New York was sort of um wasn't really the best place to be so i think he just moved out here more and then he bought this house called flamingo estate in highland park which was which is kind of like east los angeles and um and he owns this bookstore called owl books in highland park too which is this really cool art bookstore he actually sells my books in there and one day I was doing a modeling job for this other thing they were doing. And then he was there and I started talking to him. And I'm always trying to get people to see Jeff's work, dad's work. So I said, you should see his work. And he was like, oh, yeah, we were looking for paintings. So then they saw his work and they invited him to the house to do a commission of a big painting of the house. And um, and, the house and then they this. just brought him back to do these other paintings for their new, like some new Christmas catalog or something. But the house is really interesting. It's um, it was owned by, I guess it's had all of these different lives. Like it was owned by this um, gay man who shot gay pornography in it for a while, and then it was like a radio station for a while. And, now Richard bought it and Richard's turned it into this like kind of incredible garden and started this apothecary. So that's partially he's hired dad for this go round to do multiple paintings of herbs, like the herb garden for this catalog they're working on. Oh, that's cool. Um, but the house is really interesting. It's very magical. And this guy, Richard, is very connected and has interesting stuff going on at all times. Is it biodynamic? Because they grow food and they do all kinds of stuff, right? They have honeybees. 
All I know is it's very particular and high quality. Yeah. And he's not, he doesn't really pull any punches on the quality at all. You know? That's great. But yeah. yeah. It's awesome, dude. Yeah. Check yeah. it out, everybody. Head over to, uh, I, I think we've all posted it at this point, but there's an incredible video of dad doing this first large scale painting at the Flamingo Estate. Yeah. It's pretty epic. And hopefully we're going to do a retrospective of dad's work soon. Some sort of, some sort of, I don't know exactly what it'll be yet. Exhibition. Yeah. Yeah. Here in Los Angeles, California. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I was thinking, dude? That bubblehead place would be a dope venue. Yeah. I don't know what they do in there, but. I don't really know them or who it is. I think it's some guy. I don't, I don't. Yeah, that started it. Yeah. Strange. It would be a cool venue. <laughs> Dad's blitzed. Um, I think that the Flamingo Estate thing was was really cool. It's just you know, it's a great relationship. Right up my alley, and um, you know, the guy loves quality. He's a brilliant person, and he hired me to do these paintings, and I'm really uh, grateful and. Uh, they were amazingly successful. So I'm I'm really proud to be a part of it. And I think what Gus said is true. It's it's uh it's not it to me it doesn't feel like an elitist thing. It feels like he's trying to bring it to everybody that everybody can benefit from great knowledge about food and the importance of food and exercise and healthy living and you know i think the message is brilliant and i'm i'm really happy to be a part of it it's awesome thank you (laughs) it's awesome all right dude well before we wrap this up dad yes sir why don't you let everybody know where they can check out your paintings get in contact with you if you like the artwork it's all for sale yes of course uh yeah, of course. Um uh, where do they go? Britain artwork at gmail dot com. That's a good place to get in touch. That's and a contact. Britain that's a, artwork. Britain artwork uh at, at gmail dot com. Okay. And then at Jeff dot on Instagram. And uh you know, you can see all kinds of stuff and you know all kinds of uh, paintings that I've done and you know I've been in Arizona for about a year painting so there's a lot of things on there that are you know about the desert and all the spaces and whatever so but anyway great work thanks for having me thanks for coming appreciate it <laughs> thanks Peace. for being here yeah of course it's great to have you here good to be here Gus yeah, that's it. That was fun. That's fun. I feel like we need to do multiple parts of this. Yeah. But, Get but you know, to introduce Dad on your show. Yeah. Yeah. Namaste. Introduce the big guy, the OG. And shout out to Susan Woods, Dad's brilliant and beautiful girlfriend, life partner. She's here as well. She's a brilliant welder. You can check out her artwork as well at Susan Woods on Instagram. Correct? S-U-S. S-U-S, Seuss Woods on Instagram.
All right, y'all. Um, that's about it. Until next time, we'll see all of y'all on the flip side. Stay strong out there, everybody. Lots of love. And uh, see you soon. That's it for season two. Peace.